Are you ready? You guys are supposed to answer. Yes. Yes. Are you ready? Yes. Yes. Then, for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching at home on television, although we don't broadcast on TV, let's get ready to podcast. See how I went away from the mic? You got to do better next week. you this week by Shogi. Welcome in to episode 81 of the Gospel Friends. I am Rev War Eagle Verbiage. <laughs> Sorry, I'm Chase Captain Crunchy Thompson. <laughs> and I'm not sure why I'm here, Nick. Well, that makes three of us. Okay, so Shogi. Is that short for Show Kasogi, star of... You are here to edit the podcast and make Chase and I sound good. Oh, nice. I have failed for Shots what would about to be 81 episodes. <laughs> yeah, well, 85 or so, but yes. But maybe one day you'll win. Shogi is... There was that time you weren't on the show. Mm. Actually, I got, a, I got some listener feedback this week. Um from a new listener who's binge listening to the show that said his least favorite his least favorite episodes are the ones that I am not on. No kidding. Yep. So shout you've out. Got a fan. Shout out to Brandon. Brandon. Yep. All oh, right. You're not talking about Miller. Yeah. He oh, is, whatever. He is binge listening. Oh, I got words for him. He is binge listening. Shout out. He to loves Brandon. the Gospel Friends. I got words for him. He especially loves you. Yeah. Shogi is Japanese chess. It is uh, also known as the General's Game, and there are 81 squares in Shogi. We were going to be brought to you by the Hell's Angels, but I wasn't sure if that was appropriate for a gospel-based show. Well, that's actually a question. That's that's a good question. Yeah, so we had a couple of options there. Okay. Uh, why the Hell's Angels? Uh, the 81 is the, um, it's the numeric... Uh, symbol for their HA for their if you do uh, H is the eighth letter yeah. A is the first letter so their initials are HA okay so the numeric equivalent of that is 81 yeah that's probably a reach uh, that's a big reach <laughs> well I didn't I didn't do it I'm just telling you that okay. I almost did it that's good you, you I made did a shogi. wise decision shogi was much better is it as we go forward? Is it really good? Are they really going to be this bad? The the intro numbers. I'm you, a little it does feel like you've been phoning them in. What? Eighty well, wasn't too bad. I, I tell you what. What? Why don't you goobers do it? Well, we couldn't do much worse than that. My parents used to have shogi carpet in their house. Really? Yep. <laughs> okay. Shokisogi was a famous uh, uh, ninja back in the day. Mm-hmm. If you watched '80s and '70s action movies, are you trying to do that thing where you make me mad so that I podcast better? Yes. Well, you know, I was already fine to well, begin with. For me, I'm a little—I was a little tired. I actually got up this morning at six, which is really rare for me. 
So, so you need to agitate me to make you feel better. Exactly. Oh, okay. I need to get. I myself need to get in the game, and I'm hoping you hit me with a chair shot or oh look, that can a be arranged. Knee to the ribs or something like that, it so can I can actually wake up and care. Absolutely, be arranged. Okay. Nick, on the other hand, decided to uh, get ready for the show because he was running a little low on fuel. He ate half of a cinnamon <laughs> bunt cake that was in front of us. That's a good idea, Did cake I think, boy. I think, I'd love to have some of that cake I think myself, it was stole from the s- seniors group here at the Hall of Dogma Church this morning. Okay. His wife made that cake. So many factual inaccuracies. Did happen. your wife make that? Yeah. Oh, okay. Was it for breakfast today? It was for Gospel Community Friday night, and it was mighty fine. Wait a minute. She made this for Gospel Community, and it made its way to the church this you morning, guys, and it made its way to the sh- podcast this afternoon. What I, what I really love is hearing you guys discuss... How and why my wife made baked goods. No, continue, please. Shout out Lisa Jenkins. She's not listening anymore. She only listened to that episode she was on. She didn't listen to that. Um, okay, episode 81. You don't want to hear, really? Oh, go ahead. No, it's w- fine. Were you going to say it's something fine. that was, no. If I was going to answer your question. You want to contribute to the show? Go ahead. Laugh it up, Fuzzball. I really, I really hope your fanboys like elevator music this week. Because <laughs> this is going to be elevator music every yep. time I'm playing. Hey, seriously, tell us about the cake that that's you fine. just enjoyed. No, it's fine. It was a good cake. I, I took a little nibble in between you <laughs> gobbling down huge chunks of it. <laughs> I was able to catch a crumb that fell right from... Did, right. did he bite your finger? No, I was... Because he was going to town. <laughs> I reached and grabbed it off his shirt. Okay, good, good. I wish I could reach some of that cake. It looks good. It's really more bread than cake, isn't it? Have you, have you ever seen, have you ever watched Sesame Street? Cookie yeah, Monster? Totally. You know what Cookie Monster's doing? <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was Nick with the cake. I was, I was a little worried he was going to get suffocated there for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Breathe in between bites, man. Breathe. Yep. Okay. I totally think this is, this is hilarious. her best opener ever. Everybody that, at home is Tell us like, about the cake. I'm fine. I'm amused. I want to know about the cake. I'm sure you do. Did your wife really make that Friday night and it's made its way to here this afternoon? Uh, that is not entirely accurate now. Okay. All right. Well, that's 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 pretty much like Chase, he, to be partially accurate. Hey, partially It would make accurate. him a great politician. It's better than... Not at all. Accurate. Episode 81 of The Gospel Friends. We really do love each other if you're tuning in for the first time. We get along well. We're very close friends. We're not the closest of friends in the world, but we're close. Well, we could be closer. We could if one of us was named Brad. Well, but anyway, if one of us was not an Auburn fan. Uh, episode 81 of The Gospel Friends. You can, you can listen to older episodes where we may be nicer to each other, and I do better intros, apparently. Uh, by going to thegospelfriends.com. There was all that run our, where we didn't have intros. All of our, well, it was just a few. It's like the first seven or eight or something. Uh, you, gospelfriends.com, old episodes are out there, and you can contact us, leave us feedback, tell us how great we are or how much we stink by uh, going to the Twitter, at mygospelfriends, or you can email us, thegospelfriends at gmail.com. Guys, coming up on the show today, we're about to discuss in just a moment whether or not uh, the biblical instruction to greet one another with a holy kiss is still relevant today. I've been looking forward to this discussion pretty much all week, but but not that part of it. Mm. Not the flirting part of it. I'm not as big of a fan of that. What else are we going to talk about? Chase, what what are you bringing to the table? 
We know Nick brought cake. What do you got? <clears throat> okay, we got cake. Awesome. We got holy kisses. I'm actually recording live shout outs uh, of who we shout out for, for each show and putting him in the Hall of Dogma, our Facebook group. Uh, we left Christian Funkhauser out of uh, the last episode along with a few hundred other listeners, and um, <laughs> at least Brother Funkhauser was angry about it. We should have shouted him out because he has the best last name ever. Um, the story I want to talk about is uh, Rob Bell, a, a uh, an old school podcast legend that will be re-debuting for discussion today, and I bet it goes really well for Brother Bell. Sounds good. Nick, we have some listener feedback today, I understand. Who are we going to be hearing from? Oh, that would be, well, first we have uh, Mr. Jeremy Sanders, who is a missionary, I believe, to the Philippines. Yes. Is that right? No, I no, mean, PNG. No, PNG, Papua Excuse New me. Guinea. I apologize. Um, it started with a P. No, there's another reason I thought it was that, but I apologize. And um, none other than Barbara McQuillan. Oh, my. Uh, Barbara from Saskatoon. Indeed. Saskatchewan. All right, gentlemen, should we... That's a handsome woman right there. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to go on to something biblical. So in <laughs> we're told in Scripture to... Um, Hold on, I need to hear the kissy voice one more time, Mr. Biblical. There you okay. go. All right, so there are New Testament passages that all of us have seen, and I, either maybe yeah. as uh, preachers we just skip over them, <laughs> or we, um, uh, you know, certainly we don't see those and go, oh, I need to obey that. It's, it's, it's verses that tell us to greet one another with a holy kiss. So mm-hmm. Romans 16, 1 Corinthians 16, 2 Corinthians uh, 13, 1 Thessalonians 5 is probably in there more than it actually we won't admit. Uh, so a question was recently asked of friend of the show, John Piper, in his podcast, Ask Pastor John. Well done. John <laughs> Piper, very proud to be associated with this show. He is, and also a fan of Chipotle, as am I. Uh, he he recently uh, was asked, Pastor John, um, would you comment on Paul's encouragement in the new, that New Testament churches greet one another with a holy kiss? It may have been a cultural practice of the day, but even if the practice has passed away, is there a contemporary relevance for us? And so, um, yeah, so, you know, John goes on to answer, should we obey that scripture and group one another with a holy kiss. Before we get to John Piper's answer, I am more interested in the answer that the gospel friends would give. So I'm going to start with um, Chase, kiss them and leave them. Thompson, would you, uh, do you feel like New Testament churches should greet one another with a holy kiss? Yeah, this is, all right, this is, this is a tough one. Um, this is oh gosh, I wish you'd stop doing that. That makes that makes my position so much more difficult to articulate. No, that makes mine much easier to articulate. <laughs> really? Because that's weird. But okay, yes, I'm looking him continue to do that goes, no, that okay. is unholy. <laughs> like So I, I have Okay. Oh. Why are you sweating? <laughs> With anticipation. Wow. Oh. Hey. I think, yes, we should obey. Okay, this is in Scripture five different times at least, greeting each other with uh, four times as a holy kiss. And I think you pointed out First Peter says it's a, a 
You're edging ever closer to me, Reverend McConnell. I, I mean, he wasn't Reverend edging Burns. close to you. He he jumped three feet. No, no, I don't think we should do this anymore. This is totally. Uh, I'm a I'm a holy kiss cessationist. Over you to you, Nick. If it means getting kissed by Rev Verbiage, I'm a holy kiss. That would be a HKC. There you go. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm playing with you. Serious business. Um. All right. Four times holy kiss. One time in First Peter. It's a it's a kiss of love. I personally think we we're not affectionate enough. So just the Hall of Dogma Church. Uh, you know, there's some hugs. There's really friendly people. If you come here, the the people are really friendly. I just don't know. I think you know the. Uh, I don't know that we're affectionate enough. And and I think we have a command in Scripture, not just once, not twice, not thrice, but five times, to. Treat each other this way. I used thrice intentionally to be funny. No, it wasn't that. I'll I'll clarify in a second. Uh, we have a command to treat each other this way, and I don't think there's any explaining that away. I mean, what are we going to say? It's cultural. Well, what else is cultural in the New Testament that we're going to explain away? The cultural argument. Ooh, ooh, the cultural. Covers. The cultural argument is a it, it. It's a weak argument. It's a tough argument. Uh, I think a lot of times we apply the cultural argument um, to passages that we're just really uncomfortable with um and you you know hair length um head coverings holy kisses those kinds of things i'm not saying that it's not the case as a matter of fact piper's going to kind of talk about that in just a moment that he makes a cultural reference but i'm just saying i think that's kind of a quick oh well that was cultural and i think we have to be really careful with that because that's the same argument that is being made by pro-homosexual marriage Christians, those who who believe that homosexuality is approved today, and they will they're making the case that it was more of a cultural stance of that day that the Bible speaks against homosexuality. So, if you begin opening up Scripture to the um, uh, to the well, that was just cultural. You could possibly open up all of Scripture to that argument. So. I, th- I think we have to be careful with that. But do you think, well, and this, this dives deeper more into, not directly into the topic, but do you believe there are any things in the New Testament that are cultural, though? I, I think I think it's possible. I think, yes, it could be. I think this so how could, do you determine which I wins? think this could be one of them. And, and, and Pipe, like I said, Piper kind of talks about that in his answer. Um, I, I think he, he tends to, to believe that was a uh, familial... Um, routine greeting of the day uh, in that culture, a, a kiss on the cheek, and that you know it's being you know Peter and Paul are giving the directions to redeem that. Um, so kissing was not just an inherent Christian thing; it was something that was happening in the culture to greet someone. And so Paul is saying, "Hey, make this holy." Make this a, a greeting among you that is devoted to God, and I'll give more of his full answer in a moment. But um, so I, I think it could be. But I, I think the question that you're asking is a great one. You know, how do you know? Yeah. And um, you know, and I think that's I think it's a great question. I I, I mean I I think it's difficult, and that's why I say I think it's I think you have to be very careful just immediately saying that, because I think sometimes we just say that about things that we're not exactly comfortable with. Yeah. This seems to be one of the, the times where Paul is giving um, 
exhortation or, or encouragement rather than many of these times, rather than directives. Um, you you do clearly see portions of scripture where he is giving instructions of. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Hang on, the liberal bell is warning is going off. Let me turn that down. All do right, have, go ahead. Uh, I knew we shouldn't have installed that. <laughs> I was just kidding. But Nick insisted on it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm taking my apple bread going home. Wait, is it, let me have a piece before you take it. Is it apple? No, bread? no, no, oh, Mister Liberal Bell. Yes, well, all right, I'm bread. turning the liberal bell. It's back hard on to there. find which pieces of this he didn't eat off of. That's the difficult <laughs> portion right now. now go ahead. Mm. Finish. We're gonna be here two hours. Go. Yeah, do do carry on. We're very interested in what you have to I'm say, good. brother Nick. I'm good. <sighs> Dang it! I told him. I told you I shouldn't have insulted him. I should have insulted you. I, I I handle being insulted just fine. Okay, jerk. All right. Y'all insult my openings every week, and I continue to do them. We've only insulted your openings twice. Seriously, continue. I'm, I'm, we were playing. Oh, no, I was just waiting. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> it takes you, once y'all get on a roll, it takes you a minute to get back. Um, I'm awake now. Where, where for me, the, the cultural argument for something like the Holy Kiss versus um, homosexuality is – when when Paul is talking about a holy kiss, it, he is talking about general conduct rather than um, this behavior is going to send you to hell. And mm. he he does very clearly say sexual immorality, of which he calls homosexuality a sin that will send you to hell. When he's talking about a holy kiss, it's not in that type of context. And so that's where things that get made into a cultural argument are – where people making this into the cultural argument is um, less egregious to me than, say, homosexuality, because Paul doesn't tie this to a, yeah. s- a sinful act like he does sexual immorality. That's that's where I was trying to get to let's, let's, uh, down the liberal path, apparently. Uh, uh, but that was the. I, I think you're. I think that's a good analogy or good comparison. Um, and do you? Yeah, yeah I did. I'm glad I muted the liberal warning bell. Okay, so um, let's go. Let me go back to uh, the, so much elevated music coming in this episode. Let me go back to the ask Pastor John. Uh, so John Piper gives an answer that now, first of all, he 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 kind of says he doesn't think this is a this is a matter of you know you leave the room, you come back in every time you know you need to re greet each other with a holy kiss. He he felt like this was more of a um, you know, first greeting, haven't seen each other in a while, how you're greeting someone. So not necessarily this, you, you walk out of the sanctuary and walk back in and you need to meet each other with a, with a holy kiss. But, um, he, he does talk about how, you know, th- this was not a Christian thing that was happening. Uh, this was a, uh, familial physical expression of endearment and that the church is being told, redeem this, much like um, in prayer, the church was told, lift up holy hands in prayer. And so um, greet each other with a holy kiss, not just a kiss like perhaps you would your buddy, but uh, what you're doing in the church, do it and devote it to God and greet each other in Christ. And in, in, he just talks about how the church was supposed to be affectionate for each other. 
that the church is told over and over, love each other, have affection for one another, and express that and show that. And he, he kind of ends it saying, yes, if your familial greeting of the day is a fist bump, then make it a holy fist bump for the Lord. Devote it to God. Use it as a sign of, I love you, brother. Uh, I love you, sister. Uh, in Christ, a, a physical expression so the directive of, is your, more about of your love for one another. How to greet rather than the, the, the method of greeting. That, that's essentially what, what he did. So, you know, whether that is, uh, you know, maybe. You sound the liberal bell on Piper? Yeah, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> Of course you are. Well, go listen Go Have listen or, or read this. You can happy. find this, by the way, on desiringgod.org under <laughs> interviews. Um, if you do a search for Holy Kiss, you will, you'll be able to, um, you know, you'll be able to find that. Um, but let me just read this expert, this excerpt. Uh, I suspect, and this is the main point, that Christians should feel genuine affection for one another. I've been reading First Peter a lot lately and really been impressed because I'm teaching at seminary, guys. And it seems to me that Peter is writing to a persecuted, beleaguered church trying to encourage them how to live as exiles in a vast sea of unbelievers who are being hostile to them. And he is laboring to help them not just show dutiful, sacrificial love to each other, but rather to feel earnest, heartfelt affections to one another. And I think that's why he says at the end, kiss one another with a kiss of love. So, don't just greet each other the way the culture greets each other, but do it in such a way of showing affection for one another in Christ and a devotion to God. That's his take on it. I think your point, whether we do the holy kiss thing or not, um, not you and I, but I just mean in general. Um, <laughs> that, surprise there. that And he does talk about in here that, that for him, he doesn't think this is a... A, a instruction to men and women that it's it, it it should be holy. It should not cover up sin. It should not be manipulative. It should not be sinful. And it's very difficult for men and women to share a kiss uh, or other probably forms of affection without crossing those lines. Um, but your point being that how affectionate is the church? How affectionate are we as? You know, brothers in Christ, and I think that's um, I think that's a, uh, you know, that's a good question. Do we really express affection for one another the way that we would a family member? Uh, the way that we would. You mentioned to me when we were discussing this the other night yeah. how whenever your son comes around, you will give him a kiss on the head, kiss on the head, yeah. Um, and that's something genuine that you're doing because you love your son and it's a it's a display of that and we're told to love each other in the church do we display that let me let me see if i can let me see if i can tiptoe through a minefield here because what i'm about to say could be easily misunderstood and and i don't want it to be first of all i think okay so five exhortations in scripture to greet each other with a holy kiss or a kiss of love um, and, and and those none of those exhortations are essentially same sex only. 
exhortations. In other words, uh, I appreciate what Piper's saying. We we have a culture in America, at least, that is over-sexualized, and I suspect that uh, some of our listeners, like the Studards and, and such, and, and other countries will, will have the same sorts of, of situations in the UK and the Ausland and um, New Zealand. I suspect that most Western culture is over-sexualized. So talking about affection in church between men and women that aren't married to each other is dodgy at best. Now, that said, we have this command here to greet each other with a holy kiss, and I don't think that means be standoffish. I'm not sure. I love Piper. He's one of my heroes of the faith. I'm not sure that... A handshake, for instance, or a fist bump is the equivalent of that level of affection that we're called to. Obviously, it is it is dodgy as all get out for a man to just all of a sudden start greeting women in the church with a, a kiss. That is dodgy. But I'm not quite sure it should be as dodgy as we've made it out to be in our culture. I think to a degree our over-sexualized culture has caused us in the church to be standoffish from each other. For instance, Paul in 1 Timothy 5 says this, uh, exhort, uh, do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers, older men as mothers, and with all propriety, the younger women as sisters. Uh, you know, essentially, we're supposed to act. To, this is to men: act towards women in the church, older women, as if they were our mother, and younger women as if they are our sister. Well, guys hug their moms, and I want my son. And it doesn't happen hardly ever, but I want my son. My son has four sisters. I want him to hug them. I want him to display some level of appropriate, holy non-sexual in the least bit, some level of affection. And, and I think the word calls us to greater levels of affection than we show and and not the standoffishness that we have now. Now, I don't know how to get us there because men and women are awkward. Um, there's probably some guys listening to this that are like, oh, holy kisses, man, I'm all for it, and thinking about <laughs> kissing all the women in the church. And I'm not talking to you. Don't you dare kiss anybody. I'm not talking to you if you're thinking like that. But at the same time, I think we should, I mean, First Peter, the, the, other, the other letters of the Bible, I think call us to a quality and a height of love that just kind of seeing each other and awkwardly standing off to the side, I, I don't know. I don't know that we're displaying it like we should be. Again, once again, one more disclaimer. I'm not saying that men and women should just hug each other and go crazy and all of that kind of stuff. At the same time, I, I am saying I don't think we're displaying godly levels of affection with each other. Okay. Hey, look, it's an interesting question. So we have, we have the... Um, we have the... Uh, command to flee temptation, specifically flee sexual temptation, and you know we we so we know that, but you know at the same time it is interesting how you know is there in our churches we're we're trying to do that and we've created an environment where there's such segmentation so there's women and men and there's not a lot of cross between the two. Um, 
and whether it's in greeting or, or conversation or you know or what have you. I don't think the Bible demands that. By the way, churches back in the day, the women sat on one side, the men sat on another. Uh, and some people still long to go back to that sort of thing. And there is the passage about women teaching uh, the younger women in the church, men teaching the younger men. But other than that, there's nothing that indicates we should be separated. I almost cheered this morning. We have a culture here at the Hall of Dogma Church where anybody goes down to the front, um, uh, somebody will come pray with them at the pink stairs or the altar. And usually it's boys will pray with boys and girls will pray with girls. But there's a there's a certain girl here that she'll just go pray for anybody. And I'm, I just love that about her. It's an innocence, sure, but it's also a heart for prayer. And and today one of our guys, Kellen, uh, one, of, one of the young ladies went down to, for prayer and, and nobody else responded to pray for her instantly. And one of the young guys here, Kellen, just went down and and started praying for her. And eventually 12, 13, 14 kids came down and started praying for her. Man, I wanted to cheer at that just because there was nothing romantic in the least about it. Uh, but it was, I think, precious in the Lord's sight, that sort of – I think it was an affection. I think it was a display of love. I, I could tell Kellen was – uh, not crazy about doing it, but I think I could tell also that he kind of maybe felt led to. I, I'm we had this conversation somebody last week, but I'm I'm typically um suspicious of men and women who are really good friends. Uh, <laughs> and, I would agree with that. And uh, Nick and I have had this conversation before. I used to I used to tell the youth uh, when I was youth pastor. I used to tell them, and I would tell the youth girls specifically. You know, a guy only is only your friend if that's what they have to settle for. <laughs> that's not first and foremost what they would prefer. Now, uh, you know, Nick has shared with me before. I think he's shared on the podcast that that he feels like him and his wife did start off as mm-hmm. friends. That there was not a, um, you know, that, best that's friend? that's what they were. Uh, but you know, I win the if arg- only I had a best friend. Jay. But I win the argument in the end because they did get married and have a bunch of kids. But nevertheless, I mean, you know. The the testimony was there that they were just friends for a while. Um, I think the there is this natural uh, pull that's built into us that men and women desire each other physically in relationship, physical relationships, and so um, I think that's why it's dangerous. I think it can be dangerous to put yourself in situations of close friendships with someone who's uh, opposite sex Mm -hmm. that that you're not married to. I'm talking primarily to to married guys, Um, not talking necessarily to singles. But, you know, putting yourself in a situation with someone who's not your spouse that that you guys are are really close friends or whatever, I think can be very dangerous. Having said that, I have a really good friend of mine who um, has some friends that uh, that are – uh, female and he will sometimes have coffee with them in the afternoon or something like that and his wife knows about it and and he says up and down there's you know there's nothing there it's just an old friend and and you know we you know have a cup of coffee and 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 talk about you know issues and things so oh. um you know and and the point is I couldn't do that but I don't know that that means that everyone can't do that and are there expressions, you know, in other words, 
should you that maybe some people who Chase has looked uncomfortable for yeah, like he's, 45 yeah. seconds. Now. Chase really thinks it, it can't happen. But you know, bottom line is I don't think you should greet someone of the opposite sex really in any um hugging or anything like that if if it can't be done in a holy holy way. way. I agree with that. But, but that doesn't mean you can't but that doesn't can't. mean you can't. And I was saying, and I don't know that it means you can't have a cup of coffee with someone just because I couldn't uh, do that. Like I, Chase, Chase may disagree. We'll, we'll but, have to take this off the air. Okay. But if you could wow. give someone a uh, you know a hug and that not be an unholy thing, then the Bible is telling us to ex- express affection for one another. Yeah. So. Maybe we could develop some sort of signal. You know, like a light up sort of thing that says that I can. Okay, maybe not. I, I, you want some kind of like meter that if you're <laughs> lusting, it goes off. Yeah, and then you're kind of unavailable. What guy's signing up for, for that? Holy kisses! <laughs> not a a lust not meter. A, the guy that manufactures uh, Emmanuel's repentance meter probably would produce. <laughs> he one can of those. produce that. Yep. All right. Well, we we've uh, talked about this for a while, and we got to get on to other things. So. Hey, if, very important things. Yeah, if you if you want to talk about uh, holy kisses and uh, whether or not you think they're still relevant for today, shoot us an email or a tweet if your thoughts are shorter, or a fist bump if you see us in person, <laughs> or if as long as it's holy, uh, yeah, kiss on the cheek for Chase. Yeah, he I would appreciate I'm, I'm, that. I'm not, look, I'm arguing for what the Bible says. I'm not sure I'm ready to walk it out yet. Hey, we have a couple of guys in the Hall of Dogma Church who. Will greet with a holy kiss. Yeah, they will. Oh, for not, fu- boy, will they? For Fortunately, fun. we're all faster than most of them. For, that, that helps for fun. Hey, real quick before we move on, um, while you guys were bantering back and forth, uh, Lise, you ate the there. rest of the cake. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. You're good. <laughs> this show is going to be so long because I'm insulting Nick and he's shutting down every time I insult him. <laughs> and now you're eating. And cake. now I'm eating your cake. <laughs> Hey Jordy, can you come back to the show, please? <laughs> Lise, your wife. Well, no, put the headphones back. I need I need some album art for the show. Oh no, I'm good. Okay, wait. I will one time. What kind of face? I thought the album art was going to be Chase giving you a holy kiss. Yeah. <laughs> then I'm going to give you a holy something else. Um, Whoa. <laughs> EP for. You've got to quit with the initials, man. You okay. make things sound worse than they are. That was David. Um, I do want to, McConnell. I will like to point out that prior to the show, I was rebuked for having, what did you call it, faded out or burned out? Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> I went to have a couple of bites of this apple bread, mm-hmm. and um, I was mocked for eating the apple bread. Mm-hmm. And you two jokers have taken turns going silent it's in this good. particular segment as you have... <laughs> Oh, good. Gone chipmunk cheek on this apple bread. Yeah, if you've mm-hmm. heard, heard some weird noises in the background, like glass clanging on glass, that's me trying to get some of Lisa's mm. apple bread and knocking it up against David's coffee cup. I'm not going to eat any more of it, though, because there's not any left. I've been Plague, touching it. Plague written McConnell over there has been 
putting his fingers all over. I've it. had a cough since last week. Yeah, you probably heard it on last week's podcast and this week's. That's crazy, man. So apparently, you better um, go to the doctor. Apparently, Chase's shout out list on in the Hall of Dogma has been working. He's uh, angering people. No, Lisa texts me. I love. Um, I got a shout out for cooking, not for scaring anyone. So <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, um, we're about to do. What were you thinking? By the way, uh, it it may not happen, but I think some listener of the show who's decent at composing music could possibly be working on some theme oh, music for what were you thinking? If so, I if I know who that um, listener is, I would highly encourage. Is it Hendrix, the Ramblin' Man, to do that? Okay, nice. Well, he he mentioned you know in a in a review of the show. So this is uh, Jeff Hendrix who does our um, at Funky Stickman at Funky Stickman on Twitter who does our closeout music, the uh, Chip Tunes version of Tag him, Jesus. Chase, tag him. Jesus is a friend of mine. Done. And um, he uh, he heard that we were looking for some music for what were you thinking? And he yeah. Don't turn off the show. It's not over yet. Uh, so he he was thinking that uh, perhaps uh, he, he kind of insinuated maybe he would think about that or work on it. So That'd hopefully it'll come together. But anyway, we don't have it yet, so we're just going to you know just go right into the segment. What were you thinking? Guys, we, we don't have a lot of time, so I've got like five stories here for what were you thinking. You guys are just going to pick a couple, and, and we'll do those. I think five. Are you, are you going to do the one that uh... – Hall of Dogma Church member Chris Ledbetter emailed you. All right, so I was going to do the one. By the way, what were you thinking uh, in case you are new to the show? This is <laughs> this is kind of where we just take a look at some of the wacky things happening around the world. That's a way to put it. Uh, and um, Through the lens of faith in Jesus. No, that was an old podcast. <laughs> oh, my. Okay, so I was going oh, to do yes, Hall of Dogma and um, active listener, uh, faithful listener, lis- listener, listener, uh, Chris Pyro Ledbetter uh, sent us an article to do, and I was going to do it. Um, two homeless people discovered living in Tennessee Walmart attic. Mm. Um, <laughs> That's the awesome. problem. The, the problem. I can't. I can't do the story because Snopes.com has proven it to be false. Oh, Aww. yeah. It's, so the facts have gotten in the way of a. Of a really good story. Well, that's a shame. Him. It was essentially two, pe- two people living in a in a Tennessee uh, Walmart making meth, and um, you know had a little apartment set up and watching television and um, stolen furniture and the whole nine yards. That's but awesome. It, it was proven to be false, so we we can't do you know false stories. It did get me to thinking. I wonder how many of these stories that we have done in the past have been false. Probably most of. them. <laughs> Yeah, let's not bring logic into something. I hope the uh, Bernard story was not false because we wasted our money on him. It would explain why nothing ever gets cleaned up. Yeah, it's pretty much a wreck here. There's something weird on top of those cans over there that I don't want to touch. Chase, uh, I'm going to let you go first here. Oh, boy. Um, (laughs) uh, And there's one that I I really hope you you pick. but I have a, I have to pick something. I thought I yeah. just sat back and enjoyed myself. I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you pick between these. Um, actually, I tell you what. I'm, I'm gonna assign that one to you. But I. <laughs> uh, but here, you you pick between these. Okay. Okay. Um, here we go. From France, uh, dog. I'm sorry, my Chromebook messed up again. <laughs> here we go. Uh, from France, dog shoots hunter in freak accident. Oh, that sounds good. Or from Russia. With uh, love. From Russia with love. 
uh, Russian tax collectors to be given money-scented soap to make them more enthusiastic about collecting taxes. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so which, which, which would you like to hear a little bit more about? <laughs> Those are both great. Um, Except uh, they're not. Money-scented soap. That's a, that's a tough one to turn down, but I'm going to have to go with the French dog shooting story. Okay, a uh, dog shoots Hunter in freak accident. This is from France. I didn't actually know they could have guns in France. But anyway, a hunter in France <laughs> was treated in the hospital for gunshot wounds after his excitable dog accidentally shot him in the hand and the arm. 61-year-old man was fetching the woodpecker he had just shot down Monday when the excited dog <laughs> knocked the firearm to the ground, jumped on the trigger, and discharged one of the cartridge. Cartridges. Cartridges. Cartridge. That was some really cartridges. hard pronunciation there. That was, I'm glad I chose this one. The uh, lead pellet struck the hunter in the hand and the forearm. Gentleman was taken to the hospital, and uh, he's going to do okay, I think. So, um, hey, you out in the woods all by yourself. All by Expecting the dog to go get those woodpeckers, and the dogs instead just so excited. Jumps on your he gun shoot you. and shoots you. Those crazy woodpeckers. Uh, so shout out to all you hunters out there, like Josh Dean. He listens to the show. <laughs> Former guest host, as a matter of fact. Yep. Two-time um, guest host. Have either one of you guys ever hunted? I have, many times. Okay. Nick is shaking his head, no. I have once, you really hunted? Yeah. I once killed a woolly mammoth, in fact. Okay, you're lying. No, I have no. hunted a lot. I've never killed a woolly mammoth. Okay, here's here's the. I've, it's never sounded appealing to me to get up at two in the morning, go sit in the woods, freezing to death with deer pee smeared smeared all over myself. I've just that's never to well, me sounded like something. Just angered all the hunters. I'm just Thanks, saying it just never. And sounded. they have guns, and not just little rinky dink pistol guns. They have guns that can shoot rinky you from a long way away. Guns. Yeah. Nick, that you guys are little nines. What were you <laughs> thinking? Would you like to hear about how cards against humanity um cards against humanity make a fortune selling nothing on Black Friday or woman almost burns down house with life hack toaster tip. Oh, those are good ones. Oh, it That one's from Britain. There, hey, let's there's just not cut a way out I can, our serious story later and do all these. There's not a way I can get a speed round on both of these because <laughs> this is too good. Like, no, I got just making you obey the rules. I guess not. Pot kettle. Um, yeah. Let's. I got to go with the toaster then. Okay, so have you guys seen the websites where they give you life hacks? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so some, yeah, so, <laughs> some of them are, are really, really good. But life hacks don't always make things easier. As side note. The best way to cook bacon for a bacon and egg sandwich um, I saw on a life hack site. Well, you might want to be careful because Susan Dale, 66-year-old British woman, saw a tip on Facebook that claimed to be an effortless way to make the perfect grilled cheese sandwich. Now, we can understand this. If you want to make a grilled cheese sandwich, you got to get out the pan, get out the butter, all this stuff. Um, this method on Facebook advised um, to, uh, rather than make it on the grill, uh, turn a toaster sideways <laughs> and put a piece of bread with the cheese oh, yes. in and just toast it like that. Unfortunately, uh, when Miss Suzanne 
tried this, her toaster burst into flames. Um, her smoke quickly filled her kitchen in Greater Manchester, and uh, she threw the appliance out the window before it could cause further That's damage. Beautiful. That's beautiful. So I guess you have to be careful with some of those life hacks. Well, in, f- in fairness, the bacon one is much simpler. It's just a matter of weaving the pieces of bacon together, uh, three by three kind of thing. Um, don't, don't Not worried about a fire as much, but that is amazing. Why in the world do you think it was a good idea to turn a toaster sideways? Um, well, alas. Well, because you read it on the Lifehacker site. Yes, because everything you read on the internet is good advice and right. absolutely true. All right, we got. I got to do this one. This one's for Chase. I said I was going to do two, but I'm going to do this one. This one's for um, for Chase. This the Sneeve. Chase the Sneeve. This is a product you need to pay attention to. I know you're typing right now, texting your wife or something like that. The or, Sneeve. Yes, the Sneeve is a sleeve for your snot. <laughs> okay, so so uh, this this guy from New York, Stan Bratsker, uh, he he saw his sniffling grandson when he would go to sneeze. Do you know what most people do when they go to sneeze? Yes. Nick just left. What when they go to sneeze, they will bring up the crook of their arm, crook of their elbow, yes, and they and they will sneeze into the elbow, yeah, the elbow. <laughs> Elbow. Okay. What is wrong with Dude, me? Have you been know. drinking? I don't know. Did you pop? Some I think it's the. Good. I think it's the cold medicine that I'm on. It's worse than normal. Okay, your elbow. Yep. Okay. So would that be the people's elbow? No, this would be the sneeze elbow. The elbow. I, mean, I was just thinking one of those elbow brace things. To, anyway. So the inspiration struck Stan <sighs> to combine sneeze and sleeve into the name of his product, and so what he has created is a germ killing sleeve. That you put over your arm. It is made of a flexible synthetic fabric. Look, Chase is interested. Uh, it is treated with germ a, killing. It He's is, already bought five. Yeah, it <laughs> is treated with a antimicrobial mix of citric acid and silver. Big doctor sounding word. He just bought ten. <laughs> He's typing it in as we speak. Um, and uh, it's a one day disposable. And so when you sneeze into the sneeve. It claims to kill 99.9% of the viruses and bacteria that you sneezed into it. How do you spell it? The Sneeve, S-N-E-E-V-E. Okay, I'll put an A in there. You have to cough up $6.99 for seven Sneeves, and it can be ordered $7 for seven of them. Dude, that that is gold for you, You You can order them at thesneeve.com, the Sneeve. Dot com. I appreciated your use of the verbiage "cough up" in that. That that was clever. Oh, you um, you're quite welcome. Yeah, good job there. Uh, so you, you ordered any? Not yet. The site I went to look it up had uh, some some uh, unsavory pictures on the side. That, okay, that distracted me for the moment. Go, go to thesneeve.com. Oh, this okay. Thesneeve.com. I went to HuffPo. Which, by the way, you guys are a bunch of perverts. Over HuffPo, HuffPo is a HuffPo, <laughs> dude. What is wrong? Well, with the, you? the HuffPo is the religion editor for the Huffington Post. Yeah. I don't know if you guys know that or not. <laughs> Let's get it out. The HuffPo. Okay, so when you keep saying the Sneed, all I can think of is the movie The Lorax. I was going to say the, the same. Sneed. The, like Sneed. I was going to say the same the thing. That's what it reminded me of. Uh, right now, by the way, the the Sneed only comes in blue. But um, they're they're hopeful to uh, market wiggle wiggle there for you, David. Yeah, new colors soon. So, 
Uh, interesting. Chase, how long would you wear the sneeve on your arm, though? Like, would you trust it to kill those germs, or would you feel like you were... I mean, if you sneeze into your shirt, though, you're wearing that all day. This that's, says it kills true. the bacteria right yeah. away. 99.9% microbials gone. That's, that's pretty good. I, I would wear it for a day, I think. And at the end of the day, when you went to take the sneeve off, you could pull it down like The Rock used to do and throw it. That would be great. <laughs> and then drop an elbow on somebody. That would be good. Like at the end of, a, of preaching next week. Well, good. you're not going to be here, but if you were oh. here, I would take mm. it off at the end and sling it your direction. You, you could. But it would be okay because all of those viruses would yeah, have been, be, been killed. It, it would be um, de-weaponized snot. Okay, I, w- I want you to buy... <laughs> Uh, maybe I should buy them for you. But Did uh, you just say de-weaponized snot? Yeah. If, if, if okay. uh, I think they just make them for kid size, though. I was going to say, we should get some and, and do like a trial and you report back. Uh, I'm willing. But I think they don't make them for adults. Uh, All the more better. Kids. Will to, you make your kids wear them? Sure. Okay. They they totally would be pumped about that, especially the teenage daughters. <laughs> they would, they, they would, would love they it. Think th- they would think it was yes. awesome. All right, guys. That was uh, what were you thinking for this week? Chase, why don't we, um, speaking of sneezing into your arm, why don't we talk about Rob Bell? I think that sounds like a good idea. Um, <laughs> that, was, that may be the best segue we have done on this show ever. Uh, that segue gets four and a half spoons. I'm impressed. All right, so last week, Dustin Messer, who writes over at Kyperion.com, reported on Pastor Kent Dobson, who, uh, if you don't know the name, you probably do know the name Rob Bell. Rob Bell was the pastor of the other Mars Hill Church, uh, the Love Wins guy, the (laughs) Hell Isn't Real guy, et cetera, the Oprah pastor. Um, Kent Dobson followed Rob Bell as the pastor of Mars Hill. This couple of weeks ago, Kent Dobson stepped down, uh, and a pastor stepping down is not normally newsworthy for the Gospel Friends. It happens a lot, but in this particular case... Um, it was very newsworthy because the way Kent Dobson stepped down uh, probably made him a, a hero to some. It made for it made him a head scratcher for me, and this is this is at least part of what he said uh, in his farewell speech to the church. He said, "I've always been and and still drawn to the very edges of religion and faith and God." I've said a few times that I don't even know if we know what we mean by God anymore. That's the edges of faith. That's the thing that pulls me. I'm not really drawn to the center. I'm not drawn to the orthodox or the mainstream or the status quo. I'm always wandering out to the edge and beyond. He also said that uh, he grew a little weary of God talk and some other things like that. And uh, I'm sure in some corners of quote Christendom, there are people applauding him. I myself think this is just another example of uh, progressive Christians being what they are, which is really neither progressive nor Christian. Uh, before I go into what uh, Dustin Messer rightly said about um, the the resignation of, of former Pastor Dobson, I'd like to get you guys' take on this situation. Anything stand out to you here, David? Well, I, it, you know, it sounds to me like, um, you know, a gentleman who's going through a crisis of faith. Of um, he's disillusioned. I mean, you say, "I don't even know what we mean by God anymore." Um, 
you know, so something spiritually is going on with him. I immediately wonder if that has been the case. I don't know anything about this guy. I don't know what he's preached. I don't know what his teaching has been like. You know, so if you had somebody, for example, like a somebody that we knew or somebody that I, I followed closely, so you had somebody like, maybe like a J.D. Greer or like a uh, Matt Chandler or a, uh, David Platt, it, who all of a sudden stood up and said that, I think that's pretty ground-shattering, uh, earth-shattering, uh, because that was someone who was solid in the faith, and all of a sudden it seems like they're turning from that. Chase, you've talked before about having, you know, at least one person that was really close to you in your life who so godly and at some point seemed like they just turned and, you know, pulled away. And so it really brings a lot of confusion. And what does that mean? Um, Now, if this was someone who's been pretty shaky biblically and theologically from the beginning, then I don't think you, you have that earth shattering reaction to it. So I don't know anything about the guy. So I don't really know where, if this is something that is, everyone could see it coming, or if this is something that is, you know, um, you know, what's happening? You know, wolf in sheep sheep's clothing. This was someone who we thought was of us, but perhaps he he was not. So I don't know what the case is here. Um, I will say that, in a way, I applaud him, um, not for what he's saying. But I do think the fact that he is resigning and stepping away is good. In other words, he's not, in this case, it doesn't seem like he's going to continue to try to masquerade or even to just pastor the church and lead it you know, down this road that, that he is going down of uncertainty and, you know, I, I don't even know about God anymore. But rather, he's he's just stepping away, and I think that's that's better and healthier for the church in in general than obviously if he if he'd stayed in that position. So anyway, that's a couple of first reactions. Um, I honestly didn't know this dude had followed um, Rob Bell at Mars Hill. Um, it, it just, I guess, it seems to me too much like um, this isn't this isn't a crisis of conscience. This seems like a guy who, um, <laughs> if anything, rather than uh, playing, you know, people, it felt like he was always felt this way and was playing church. And has finally just said, I'm not going to play church anymore, rather than having a crisis of conscience. That's what it, the way he's saying, I've always been attracted to the fringes more than the orthodoxy and things like that. This seems more. This doesn't seem quickly brought on. Um, this seems more calculated. Well, part of it too, I wonder if we think that because, um, you know, we know what happened with Rob Bell and maybe. we know where he stands. And so I don't know. Maybe you know, does, is that the DNA of that church? Is that the pastors that have followed after him? Did they, is it that same yeah, vein? That I same can, Rob Bell, you know, vein. I, so that's I can't say knowing that he followed Rob Bell isn't coloring my opinion of his wording. Uh, but his his wording does stand out as is you know big red flag to me. Well, I, I will say I'm glad he stepped down. Um, Dobson doesn't sound like a pastor, and he says it, it just didn't. It just felt like it didn't qu- quite fit me so well anymore. That is being a pastor. Um, 
and I would agree with his self-assessment there. He also said that he always feels restless and uncomfortable around too much God talk. He says, quote, I felt restless, but I've always felt restless and a bit homeless when it comes to church and when it comes to God talk. When I hear too much God talk, I start to feel like, ugh. And he shuddered there. It's too much religion. I don't know. It just gives me a restless feeling. A lot of times I feel like an outsider at my own party. I cringe a bit when I read words like that. Number one, it's not your own party. If I could, uh, you know, <laughs> slightly play the Jesus card. Um, but, but my goodness, how dare you do that on a Christian podcast? Yeah, uh, right? I don't know. I, sh- I should be, uh, I should be disciplined. But uh, my goodness, <laughs> here's a pastor, a follower of Jesus, supposedly, uh, a teacher of the word, saying, "I get uncomfortable around too much God talk," and he frames himself as, uh, you know, essentially this, this great explorer, um, this great guy, just just dancing around the edges and the margins of the faith. I uh, Dustin Messer, like I said, wrote about this, and, and this is this is. Uh, let me read you a couple of his quotes because I was very struck by this. Um, he said, "While our brothers and sisters in the majority world continue to meet in caves and barns in the face of imminent danger, um, many of those called to the shepherding office in the developed world lack the gall to hide the sheep and stand before the wolves with staff in hand." They can't stomach the sound of fur parting with flesh. The whimpering is too much. They would let, rather let the sheep be eaten than seem like boring, dorky, sneaker-wearing shepherds. The prophetic tr- voice of the American church has gone hoarse. In a world where pastors wait with bended knees and clenched eyes for their heads to roll down the sandy slopes of a Libyan beach, the mm. complacent, comfortable Western church must reset her vision of bravery as it relates to the pastorate. There was a time, even in the West, where cultural capital was gained by being a Christian. In those days, there were indeed men who risked everything to leave orthodoxy. One thinks of the great George MacDonald. However, those days are long gone, and Dobson is no MacDonald. If he wants to be known as an adventurer, Dobson is a couple of decades too late to the I'm-just-not-into-religion voyage. That land has been claimed and settled. Dobson's predecessor is already giving surfing, surfing lessons to the tourists who want to visit. And I think Messer's really nailed something there. I, I, I said it earlier. I, I will emphasize it again and double down. I believe progressive Christianity is neither Christianity nor is it progressive. It is not cutting edge by any means. Kent Dobson is not stepping out into uncharted territory by stepping down from pastoring his church and going out to the edges of the faith. He is going into uh, New Age Gnosticism like millions have before him, uh, not least of which would be uh, an Oprah Winfrey type. He's stepping into uh, not uncharted territory, but well-charted territory uh, of rejecting the truth and rejecting Jesus and embracing uh, the world. You guys think I'm kind of off there? Is that... Too harsh? Uh, no, I mean I, that article when you sent it to us earlier in the week. I read it and I thought, man, that that is strong. And I I definitely agree with the article. I think that there was a time where I think it was culturally beneficial to be known as a as a pastor. And I, and I think in some segments of the United States that's still the case. But it is certainly um, it, it is not 
as true across the board as it used to be. And I think it will increasingly become more, or excuse me, increasingly become less true as the years progress. And and I think what he's saying is is right that, that those people who are willing to still serve in those roles and, and to to follow and hold to biblical principles, um, those pastors may, you know, they may prove to be kind of few and far between. Um, you know, I, I think we've had a culture for a while where people may become pastors because it seemed like a good career move or it, it, it had some benefits to it. Um, but I think when it, when it comes down to it, you know, will pastors be the guys like is being written about in that article who are willing to, to suffer consequences of shame or persecution in order to continue to shepherd the flock? Or will they be like the, the teachers that, Paul warns Timothy about, you know, that will, you know, say whatever people want to hear in order for the people to keep them on. And so, um, you know, to some degree, I, again, I go back to, um, you know, uh, this guy being willing to just step aside and say, I, and I'm not going to continue down this road. I'm not going to try to shepherd this church. At least, I think that was the best solution here. I think that was the best situation that could have unfolded, uh, rather than him try to continue and, and turn the church further. So, and again, I'm I'm on their website now. I, I really don't know. I mean, they've got a little bit of a value section out here, um, but they 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 share it along with this thing that they're calling it narrative theology, and um, essentially they say uh, that. Um, uh, the word theology comes from two Greek words, theos meaning God and logos meaning words. So theology is words about God. When we put to words what we believe about God, we discover that God has been writing a story of hope and redemption for all the world. The story is a movement from creation to new creation, and God has given us a role to play in that story and the restoration of our relationships with God, each other, ourselves, and creation. And so it goes into this narrative theology that we all fit into. And, and so... You know, it it um, it it goes along with scripture, but it doesn't like come out and say we believe in this, and so it's a little hard to follow. Um, so again, it's a little interesting to me. You know, what is the DNA of that church, and and what is their belief system? But uh, I will say this: this guy, by the way, um, apparently authored or helped author a, a study Bible. The NIV First Century Study Bible, according to his bio on the uh, Kent Dobson bio on MarsHill.org, hmm. um, says that um, in 2014 his NIV First Century Study Bible was released with Kent's notes throughout. The reader can explore Scripture in its Jewish and early Christian context. So, if you have the uh, NIV First Century Study Bible. Might be interesting for you to take note. Can't find it on the Zondervan site anymore, by the way. No, you cannot. Um, hmm. The link to it, <laughs> the link to it, on the Zondervan site has uh, been taken down. Yeah, I think that was the right call. So, that church still has a Rob Bell bio page up as well. They do. Hmm. Um, this is Captivating Radio podcast. Either way, that too. You got any closing comments? You can get it on Amazon. 
Now it's kind of I, I I was joking because I fell into the same trap. The rest of us is kind of <laughs> doing some googling in there. Kent Dobson and Ed Dobson. Ed is his father. Ed was a former professor at Liberty. Uh, used to be a, a very well noted evangelical scholar who is I think also essentially fallen off of the evangelical wagon, <laughs> so to speak. Um, I know Kent did a documentary a couple of years ago on some uh, – it was sort of a historical, pseudo-historical documentary that was really pretty sketchy and ended up getting him fired from the – I think it was a college or a high school he was te- – a Christian college or high school he was teaching at. So, hey, save your $70.48 and don't buy the first century imitation leather Bible <laughs> in brown slash orchid from Amazon.com. What about the Kindle version? I, I will say, Avoid you know, that one too. I think and the Jesus. We've talked about this calling on the, study Bible. <laughs> we've. What about the uh, the new Zondervan NIV study Bible? Because I picked up a copy this week. That actually sounds like a good deal there. Okay, uh, so we've talked about this on podcast before. I'll just mention it again. I think we're going to continue to see things like this in the Droves. evangelical community. We're going to see pastors, whether they're they're doing this themselves where they're stepping out and saying, I just can't handle the you know, all the God talk anymore, or they begin trying to lead their churches down uh wrong roads and, and they're you know, down to their own teaching and own ideals. Um which quite honestly I think Rob Bell is beginning to do before he stepped away from from that pulpit. Yeah. Um but again, I mean I think you, you know, you go back to that um there is a there is authority that is given to pastors according to Hebrews, but that authority is is subject to the authority of Christ and his word and you know I, at the end of the day, our hope is in Christ, even before the foundation of the world, our hope was in Christ. God foreknew him before the foundation of the of, of the world so our our hope is in him, our hope continues to be in him, and even if you have a mentor uh, someone that taught you and you grew up under his teaching and he walks away from the faith or a pastor at your church who falls, I don't think that means that your faith, as if it is placed in Christ, it does not mean that your faith is on shaky foundation. No. And I don't think it means that necessarily all that you have been taught is wrong. I think that's where you, you're checking what you've been taught in Scripture hmm. and... <coughs> Sorry. Very unprofessional tonight, but got a bad cough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> checking what you have been taught in Scripture and considering it, but it doesn't mean that they have not taught you the Word, even though they may fall down the road. I'm not getting choked up. I'm just you sound you very emotional. So. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say. <coughs> wow, David is really struggling. Well, I'll close out with uh, the words of Dustin Messer here. Uh, these days, the real adventurers are those who set sail for the risky land of Christian orthodoxy. The real brave men and women are those who consistently go to church, observe the sacraments, hear the word, and submit themselves to the word and the discipline of the church. I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think there's going to be droves of seemingly evangelical leaders over the next 10 years who will leave the faith and will frame what they're doing as bold, adventurous, godly, edgy, etc., and what they will really be doing is following the status quo, following the norm, doing the well-accepted thing, and doing the thing that will get them the applause of the world. Uh, don't follow such people. Follow people that will honor the Word and risk all for the Lord. Amen.
All right. So um, that was a good discussion. It was one we were uh, we tossed around in our text message thread over the course of the week, and um, it's a continuing. What do we used to call it on Faith Today as the Rob Bell turns or something? Didn't we used to have a... Well, we had as the Driscoll turns. I don't remember oh, what our shoot. Rob Bell one was. I'm, I'm mixing mega church pastors. All right. Um, Here's how bad my cough is right now, by the way. I'm drinking milk. <laughs> well, I'm trying to. That's going to help. Yeah, I don't, we were trying to... I'm just trying to find anything that... Um, hope would. you didn't touch any of my children today. Oh, no. All right. Well, that was a, um, that was a good discussion. Thanks, guys. That... You know, <laughs> we were joking. Um, we've had the as the Driscoll turns, but it also feels like um, I was on a former show. But it also feels like uh, Mr. Bell and now his predecessor is going to possibly be a consistent source of conversation. But um, right, we actually the as the Driscoll turns is a Gospel Friends segment. It's, I thought it was no, it's adhesive wombat's favorite segment. We do that's as true. The Driscoll turns. That's hey, true. this is how bad my cough is that I'm drinking milk right now. And if you listen you to the show, like the milk? no, I, I do not like milk, but I'm looking for anything to help with uh, whatever I've got going on. So, And it's not even um, cold milk. It's a little warm. Well, it has so, been sitting in here as we've recorded for quite yeah, a bit of time. Quite a bit of time. Uh, hey, we, we have some- It's a week uh, old, actually. We have some listen. <laughs> this is from uh, episode 80. Uh, so I'm probably going to have bigger issues than a cough in a little while. Mm. Hey, we have some listener feedback before we uh, get out of here. We haven't mentioned the uh, Hall of Dogma, which is our Facebook group. Uh, If you're new to the show, uh, you can go to the Hall of Dogma on Facebook, hallofdogma.com. It is a private group, and so um, we like to kind of keep the crazy people in. And so you can ask (laughs) if you want to join us. Uh, you can ask for permission, uh, and uh, we'll add you, you can to that come, group. But you can never ever leave. We have a uh, a friend of the show, a friend of um, ours, going back uh, uh, quite a few years. Jeremy Sanders, who is a, a missionary, and uh, he commented from episode seventy eight on our discussion about the uh, Seventh Day Adventist denomination, and we were <laughs> somebody talking, bringing some lo- logic and <laughs> yeah, we were talking a little bit about on that episode about the SDA and. Biblical or not, Christian or not, um, and and you know we kind of I mean, you can go back and listen to seventy eight, kind of where we arrived on the issue. But Jeremy had some some insights. I'll read a little bit about this from the uh, Hall of Dogma post. He said, "This is not meant to flame bait, but I have a fairly strong opinion about the SDA. Hopefully, you'll understand why." When I was in the States, I didn't have any real strong opinions about SDA churches because I didn't know anyone that was SDA. Unfortunately, that changed once we started working in PNG. That's uh, Papua New Guinea is where he's a missionary to. The SDA church is a cancer, a false religion that is taking hold of much of PNG. In the strongest possible terms, I denounce them as not Christian. I would even go as far as to say that we do not worship the same God. They worship themselves and their works-driven righteousness. They didn't. Den- denigrate. Thank you. They denigrate the work of Christ in their belief. <laughs> it's like I got to that, and I was like, my mind was like, we don't know what to do. What to do? And I've heard you How say that word in that? a sermon. That was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. uh, through their belief in the investigative judgment of 1844 and practically throughout their works-based religion, they preach that those who worship on Sunday are going to hell, that we do not worship the God of heaven, but we worship the Son. At first, I thought this was just a local... Uh, PNG SDA belief, but it was actually first made popular by Samuel Bachacotti's dissertation in the 70s. Sounds I great. Even, I didn't even, you know, he was an SDA theologian, then went to a Catholic 
uh, seminary. They also teach that it's sinful to eat pork. I, I couldn't be a SDA person Mm-mm. at that point. Hashtag bacon. Yep. Love some pork. They pick and choose which portions of the Old Testament they follow, but are adamant, adamant about the ones they choose. Locally in our community, it is the SDA church that constantly makes false accusations of sorcery and demands financial compensation. So Jeremy goes on to say how Galatians was written to the Judaizers of Paul's time, but that for him it equally applies to the SDA church in mm. PNG. So, um, you know, I think I think that is a great, um, you know, getting that view. And I think we said on episode 78, by the way, that none of us had really had any interactions mm-hmm. with uh, anyone from the SDA church. Um, you know, I... I Go back. I, I still want to stand by what I said in that show, which is, um, I, I believe you can have true believers mm-hmm. in the SDA, uh, just like I think you could have true followers of Christ in the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. um, because it seems like, based on what I'm reading, that there are some SDA churches that that do not do what this church right. in PNG is doing. Right. And that essentially, there the big separation is that of the the Sabbath beliefs. But you know, again, that's my maybe uninformed view. And and Jeremy is is you know on the ground there in PNG and having a, a much different um, a much different experience. And so um, you know, it, it may be. I, I think we've talked about the Catholic the Catholic Church before. I've I've made the statement that I believe you can be a true follower of Jesus in the Catholic Church. But I think if you were born in the Catholic Church and completely followed all of their doctrine, it would be very difficult for you to find Christ mm. that way. And and it could be something very similar in, in the SDA. So anyway, Jeremy, thank you for your comments, Absolutely. and I uh, appreciate getting that point of view. We did ask people to, to kind of write if you had some uh, feedback or some experience with the SDA churches that we that we did not. So Also, just practically for the, the audience, you know, We've talked about various um, members of the community, the Hall of Dogma, or just other listeners that are pastors or, or preaching the gospel, doing the, the work of the Lord elsewhere. And, you know, Jeremy is he is a missionary. That is his role right now. So just, you know, as the Lord leads, please lift his family up in prayer that Absolutely. the Lord just cover them and, and further their work and just provide for their needs, and whether it be tangible or financial or any kind of even safety they need. So I do want I do want to mention he yeah. did end his letter saying, I don't know where the American SDA church has fallen all of this or if that really has anything to do with Ben Carson mm-hmm. uh, as a political candidate here in the US that is an SDA guy. But if he believes SDA doctrine, Jeremy says I I, I don't believe he's a Christian. Mm-hmm. And that, that goes back to a little of what we talked about on seventy eight, which is the beginnings of that church and some of the doctrine and right. beliefs of that prophetess um, are, are not in line with yeah. Scripture. So a lot yeah. of that has to do with where the SDA churches here fall. So. That's tough. Okay. Um, well, good. Like, like David said, good insight um, from uh, Jeremy there. Um, so here's the fun part about our show. Um, if you are not wearing a seatbelt, go ahead and please put it on um, as we are going to begin to do – we're going to do what we do on the podcast um, many times is – sharply changed direction. So have some more listener feedback from um, uh, faithful listener, uh, Miss Barbara McClellan. Mm. Okay, Bobby, you ready? We want this to sound professional. Hi, guys. 
is December up here in Saskatoon. There's snow and there's light and there's decorations. And we're excited. Are you guys excited yet? The music is good. Oh goodness, I just can't wait. It's gonna be so awesome. I mean, we've got cosplay outfits and we're going for the release. They're the little short furry guys, right? Yes, Bobby, I'm going to tell them what you got no, me. Bobby got me the Princess Leia slave outfit oh. to wear. But it's going to be so uh, cold, I don't um, know if I can wear it. I think Barbara should stop yes, talking. Yes, Bobby, Bobby, it was either that or the Gamorrean guard. <laughs> what do you mean I look like a raincoat? A raincoat keeper, you jerk! Anyway... <laughs> I just want to know, are you guys excited um, about the new Star Wars movie? Give us a holler back. Bye. I'm, <laughs> I'm, um. Hey, look. Paul says the marriage bed is undefiled, David. <sighs> so, you know, as far as Disney movies go, I'd put it at the bottom of the list of Disney movies that I'm excited about this year. But, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to The Incredibles 2 in a couple years. Wow. So. Um, I don't know how to respond after that. Um, Barbara, uh, the logical, the uh, well-thinking gospel friends are planning on seeing The Force Awakens. Looking forward to that. Um, and then there's David, who's also an Auburn fan. Draw your own conclusions. Um, <laughs> if you if you have anything to say um, about that, wow, um, that threw me. If you've got anything to say about this episode, we would love to continue a discussion about it. Um, we've mentioned it um, where Jeremy posted his um, kind of follow-up to the SDA um, discussion, the Hall of Dogma, halldogma.com. And uh, we've also got Twitter at my gospel friends on Twitter and email the gospel friends at gmail.com. Uh, voicemail is available to a five five seven five nine seven three five or speakpipe.com slash the gospel friends if a long distance is an issue. Um, all our show notes for this show and all the archive shows can be found on our website, the gospel Uh that is it for this episode. But if you would tune in next week when 
you may hear David say. So is the Force Awakens where the, the little short people uh, get the ring back or what? <laughs> In a world where heresy blankets the airwaves, religious stuffed shirts suck the life out of Sunday morning, and prosperity teachers rob grandmothers of their pensions, three unassuming ministers endeavor to shine the light of biblical theology and put the fun back in fundamentalism. Broadcasting live from the Hall of Dogma, 